Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. Hello and welcome everybody to a uh, dreary, sad, a little disappointing, unfortunately super sunny and gorgeous day out here in the city of Pittsburgh. It's Friday, December 10th. Derek, nobody's feeling good today. Nobody at all. And I want to ask this just to jump right out into this. Would you feel worse right now if the Pittsburgh Steelers just took the beating and walked away? Or would you feel worse right now and how you feel and how it ended? I mean, I I think you got to feel some type of way proud of the guys for fighting back. I mean, it was a he- it was a heck of an effort, you know, down the stretch to make that a game, game that they had a chance to win at the end. But, um, yeah, no doubt. It's really disappointing, man. These slow starts um, are killing this team, and this has been like really a familiar theme pretty much the entire year. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing. It's, I mean, it was a game that they had to have. Every game's a playoff game for this team kind of on the rest of the way. Um, if they have any shot of making it and to come away with a loss, it's frustrating. So. The, the, the part that I think I kept me a little bit afloat was that going into the game, Thursday night games always leave me with a little bit of like, yeah, there's no way they're going to win this game. They're flying to Minnesota. They played three days ago. Their quarterback's 40 years old. They have no de- healthy defensive line. You know, there's those things. Um, walk me through your uh, your emotions here from the start of the game <laughs> until honest, that last Friar Muth play. To be honest, man, like I, the Thursday night thing, obviously it's not ideal, but it, like we've talked about it on here a lot. Like Ben, the way he is now with like his rhythm – yeah, I, I thought the Thursday night game kind of worked a little bit in our favor in that regard. Like, yeah, he's old and dealing with some injuries, but like we he played like he was coming off his best game of the season. Um, you know, he was he played well, better. though. Yeah, he played. I mean, he played it wasn't really him. Well. That was the problem. It was everybody else. It felt yeah. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, really, it just comes down to, man. I mean, Mike Tomlin hit on it in his pre- in his postgame press conference. The Steelers are just getting whooped up front. They're they're yeah. a bad they're a bad team in the trenches right now, and it's hard to overcome that unless you have like some transcendent um, talent at quarterback. You're just really not going to have a chance. Um, you know they're still they, they ran the ball really inefficiently in the first half. Um, they really only ran the ball kind of when the um, kind of when the Vikings went to those two deep shells trying to prevent the big play, which at least was like something you know. But yeah. I mean just had a lot of problems in protection, communication issues, struggles to snap the freaking football. I've never seen a professional team that struggles this much with snapping the football over the last couple of years. Um, and then just defensively, like you mentioned, like they're short on bodies up front. You know, they lost TJ White, Alex Highsmith at, at some point in the game to injuries. But, I mean, they were getting whooped with those guys in the lineup anyway. So, I mean, I, that's, that's why I, my thought process was it didn't really matter. I mean, Minnesota was just better. Up front, Dalvin Cook with, you know, a torn labrum or whatever, you know, is up with his shoulder, ran for 200-plus yards. I mean, that's just inexcusable. Yeah. I, I saw your tweet. Uh, I wish I, I actually brought it up here to show everybody else of uh, Trey Turner and Kendrick Green, like, <laughs> pointing at each other. Why Eric Kendricks is just smoking Ben Roethlisberger. And, like, it's true. That's just what it came down to. And, and – I guess we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. First off, a little injury update for Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. Um, Alex Highsmith and both TJ Watt both avoided major injuries, which is good news. Watt should be able to play against Titans. Highsmith, I'm not totally sure about yet. 
Um, we'll get more reports there. Those are both coming from me and Rapport, but I dug a little bit as well. So things are feeling good. Um, the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you start, you, you said it, and I think we've just like used it as an excuse this whole season. It's Kendrick Green is a new center. You can't expect things to be perfect. And well, we're 14 weeks into the season and he still can't snap a football consistently. At what point do you start thinking that's, do you not think it's him? No, I mean, it's just the, but I think, um, we're doing this weird thing this year with some of these rookies. Like the Steelers are playing a ton of rookies and like, you got to give those guys time and you always grade on a curve. Right. So yeah. like, you know, you're not expecting rookies to come in and change your franchise year one. I mean, it's, it's unrealistic, but I don't think it's unrealistic to expect baseline, like at least NFL level play from a center in December of his rookie year. I mean, is it a tough transition when you didn't play there in college? Absolutely. But like, can't snap the football. I mean, it's not like there was at least, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about making a montage of it because I, I think there was at least like 15 snaps that like Ben had to corral in some form or fashion. And like, that's, that's very difficult for an offense. That's is a quick hitting rhythm passing game when you're always trying to grab the football all over the place. Yeah. And you know, he's had, he's had a, he's been awful in the run game this year, which has been problematic. Um, you know, and he's not the only rookie, too. I mean, Van Morris had his struggles, but I, I still think that um, it's kind of unrealistic to ask a day three tackle to come in and protect a 40-year-old immobile, you know, a 39-year-old immobile quarterback's blind side. But, like, even, you know, you look you look around at other rookies that they've got that have just been extremely inconsistent and just not at the level that you'd expect at this point in the season, like Presley Harvin. I mean, mm-hmm. Harvin's been one of the – NFL's worst punters he came into the week 31st in yards per punt Jordan Berry was by far the best punter on the field last night again the guy that the Steelers kept you know chose to cut instead of Harvin so it's just frustrating man like they're just not getting they're not getting enough from a lot of different guys and that's why there's it seems every week's just a struggle it is it is there's no you can't start I mean obviously the Steelers have started slow for years but I think a lot of it right now is that, you know what I mean? It takes so much to get a rhythm going that by the time you get anything going, it's in the second half. And we've seen this, you know, they play well once that rhythm goes. Go ahead. And I, I thought that Tomlin made a really good point. Um, Cause we, we've talked a lot about like Ben's rhythm and the offense's rhythm, you know, yeah. people will come up with whatever narrative they want to with that. But I, I think Tomlin made a really good point last night. And it, it's something that is very true in my opinion. Like, the Steelers' inability to win in the trenches and their struggles on both sides of the football, you can't control the game. So you're not you're not being, like, proactive. You're instead being reactive. When you're, like, a reactive offense and defenses can dictate to you how they want to play, for example, how defenses have been able to play two deep safeties or light boxes against the Steelers because they can't run the football or they can do different things um, on defense because the Steelers just can't win up front. And that's, that's really – where they're so freaking limited and it's just for it's really frustrating to me man it's really frustrating i think the worst part of it all is that kendrick green misses a lot of blocks like you alluded to before it's not just the snaps it's the fact that he's not snapping the ball correctly and it's the fact that after he snaps the ball incorrectly he's not touching anybody which is aggravating do you move him do you i mean you're not going to move him this season but is that something moving forward you're just like well he's got to play guard you can't play center I mean, I've been on the train, like, you need to let him try to figure this out this year. I mean, they don't really necessarily have any options behind him. B.J. Finney's not really going to be a ton better. But, I mean, some of 
Green's problems, though, in the run game, like, yes, there is a difference between being a center and the run game. You know, you're having to snap the football and then get your hands up and get them engaged with blockers that are literally right over top of you. Whereas if you're a guard, you're literally just firing off the football. But some of his issues, you know, even in pass protection or in the run game aren't necessarily fixable just by moving in position. So while I do think that that's something they'll look at next year, I mean, center, you know, if you if you do move him, you still have to draft a center. And then, you know, how many how many guys are going to be capable of playing? You're you're looking at another rookie center with probably a new quarterback next year. I mean, maybe they could get Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa or something like that. I'm sure there's a couple other NFL ready guys, maybe day one, but um, yeah, but day uh, one, you know. can't draft a center. That can't be you yeah, point I mean, emphasis can't be center. Like that's off the board already. If anything, right, it's a right tackle. They've got, so, they've got so many things. Like I, I saw Nick tweet this out last night, but I, I completely agree. I mean, the Steelers have about eight guys who I think are like high level pieces that you build around for the future. Everyone else is like replacement level, which you're never going to turn over that many guys. Like don't, I'm not expecting 12 or 15 new starters, but like, you're going to see a lot of new starters next year on both sides of the ball. I mean, they, they have some great pieces, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward. Um, and even offense, they've got young guys that have played extremely well for the most part. I mean, Deontay Johnson had a rough game last night, you know, dropped a touchdown. Um, Pat yeah, it, yeah, I mean, Pat Fryermuth been really good all season, especially for a rookie tight end, the tough play at the end, Najee Harris. But, like, outside of those guys, I mean, across the offensive line, outside of Kevin Dodson, he's the only guy that I'm really even penciling in as, like, a for sure starter next year. Everyone and else, you, I mean, everyone would else. Would you even pencil him in, though? I mean, Kevin Dodson struggled this he season did, when he's for, played. For the, and he's unhealthy. He's, he hasn't yeah, been able to complete the, the season the two years. Month, for the first month, I thought he was, like, probably one of their most disappointing players. But I think he's just really been yeah. consistent since that point to where, like, he looks more like the guy we saw last year whenever he did get the chance to fill in, you know, due to injuries. So Yeah, yeah. He did. And to that point, I guess, he did miss time in the summer, which, you know, you need that ramp-up period. I don't know. I'm not totally sold on Kevin Dotson yet. I don't think that's, like, uh, anything more than I'm just skeptical on everybody at, on the offensive line, which really worries me. Warranted. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know what you know. I, I don't know what the fix is. I guess you do have to put some faith in some guys. Um, when, when it comes to the rest of the offense, to not score a touchdown until two minutes left in the third quarter against the Minnesota, and like say what you want, the Minnesota Vikings are a good defense with a good defensive coach. But I mean, they gave up points to Jared Goff. They've given up points to everybody else. Pittsburgh Steelers included. The Steelers showed them what they could do late in that game. Can you fix that? If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, can you fix the fact that it's been five years and you haven't been able to start fast? It's it's very perplexing. I mean, Ben talked about it in the post-game presser yesterday. They've spent more time, you know, going over those scripted plays to start the game. But I mean, they just can't they can't seem to get out their own way. You know, they had a penalty um that set them back on the first drive and then you missed the field goal. You know, it's just like yeah. this team and that's kind of what happens. Like when you no longer have an elite quarterback, and obviously the defense has been terrible, but when you no longer have an elite quarterback, that margin for error is so small. Like when you don't have very many just top-end type of elite talents, that margin for error shrinks, and it's so small. So like little things like, you know, you take a stupid penalty, you know, 10 mm -hmm. yards, that ends a drive, like almost every time, you know. And that's that's what's kind of frustrating is like they, they don't have enough high-end talent, especially on offense to get 
out of those situations. So like, you know, when you, when you make stupid mistakes, like committing penalties, you know, having to burn timeouts because you can't get the play in correctly, having to, you know, bad snaps, you know, it, it all that stuff is just really, it's really overly frustrating. Um, and it's a weekly basis type of thing. They just can't seem to get out of their own way. And then when they do, I mean, we, we've seen like that, that's what's, and I think that's what's even more frustrating for like the fan base is like when they do get it going, like it's actually pretty fun to watch. Like, yeah, honestly, the offense has been pretty much what I expected coming into the year. Like, I didn't think, I knew they probably weren't going to be very good because I thought the offensive line was terrible. But I mean, they're really not that far off. I mean, they're like the 20th ranked offense in the league. I mean, they're not very far off to where we probably thought they were, they'd be this year, honestly. No, the offense, I think, plays well. And like the whole elite quarterback that Ben's good. And Ben went from a serious problem in this offense to at times could definitely still win you games. I don't really think that was like a big question coming into it. I thought that like, you know, Ben will die on the football field if need be. If he almost, did, he almost did last night. He almost did last night to that pass to Matt Fryermuth. He was real close, <laughs> actually. And the five sacks before that, which were crazy. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball because there's no fix in the offense. Dalvin Cook tore it up. I saw your tweet. Over the last six games, the Steelers have given up 178 yards per game rushing the football, and that totaled out to 1,072 yards. Six games. Six games. Highlighted by Delvin Cook going off 205 yards and two scores last night. What do you have, 117 yards or something in the first half? The dude was is 11 days removed from a torn shoulder. Came in here, and it didn't even look like it. he had to try. What? Where does that start? Is that the, just like there's no Tyson Alulu? There's Devin Bush and Joe Schobert are terrible. It, it's 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 so many things. Like people trying to you know pin it solely on the fact that Alu Alu and Tuit's not there, or solely on the fact that the inside linebackers aren't there. They're just they're not maintaining gap integrity, and they're not winning at the point of attack. Like Mike Tomlin said, if you can't control the line of scrimmage in the NFL, you're gonna have problems, and that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, 178 yards allowed on the ground over the last six weeks. The Steelers are on pace to give up 2,371 rushing yards this season. That would be 360-something more than the most in franchise history. So, at the 17th game, it, but it wouldn't have mattered. Um, you know, this is on pace to be a historically bad um, run defense for the Steelers and can make all the excuses about injuries and all this other stuff, man. But this is – at some point um, – when football teams is cliche, but like when you're getting beat up and just out physical, it comes a matter of like pride. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and the Steelers did kind of man up a little bit towards the end of the game. They got some stops on Cook. They made some personnel changes. They they put Miles Killebrew in the game. Uh, we saw him rotate Buddy Johnson in the game. We saw him rotate Marcus Allen, which I don't know why Marcus Allen's playing, but um, Marcus you know, Allen number, was on the field to be a coverage guy. And they get burnt. <laughs> and, made, yeah. and made no Marcus Allen's a terrible coverage guy. That's why he can't play safety. <laughs> so, like, it's just one of those things, man. Like, it's a lot of different issues. And the Vikings, I mean, they, they're a good run team. They're going to outside zone you to death. But, I mean, you can look at some of those runs. I mean, and no offense to Dalvin, because Dalvin's a fantastic runner. Like, I don't want to yeah, take yeah. anything away from him. You score, you rush for 200 plus yards on a bum shoulder. You're, you're a dog. But at the same time, you look at some of those runs. I mean, I could have parked a U Haul through some of those holes. I mean, what do you say last was, night? Aaron Andrews could have ran through those holes. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, literally, seriously, seriously, 39 year old Ben could have ran through some of those holes. Seriously. Oh yeah. That's how, that's how embarrassing some of, some of those uh, run defense plays were. 
Yeah. The, I mean, the touchdown, I want to say it was his second touchdown. is a perfect highlight of that. There was lit, I mean, you had somehow had a right tackle just destroying Akello Witherspoon and nobody else was anywhere around. I'm like, how does how does a tackle take on a cornerback and there's nobody there to 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 cover that hole at all? That's how wide open it was. I agree. I don't know where it starts. I don't think it could start anywhere. I'll give I'll give you this. I mean, I liked Joe Schobert after he got benched. He came back in, he made a couple of good tackles. I don't I don't think that continues. I don't know if that goes into next week. Devin Bush had a couple of decent hits. I mean, Monty Adams is playing okay. It just seems like there's just no oomph. You know what I mean? It's just all it, – yeah, exactly. They came, they came in vanilla, very vanilla. And, like, they, they had, they've been like that all season to the point where once they start it and moved back, it feels like they can't pick their feet up. You know what I mean? They're just on their heels the whole time. One of the things I want to talk about what game plan-wise, like, I can understand – you know, when when you play offenses like Minnesota, who's a little they're streaky, but they're talented. Um, yeah. You know, they're decent up front. They have a great running back. They have two elite wide receivers, one of which who did play last night. You have to take away something, and that that was kind of my frustrating point last night. Like the Steelers left Justin Jefferson single covered, however many times throughout the Dude, game. He should have I mean, caught a touchdown pass that was defended by Justin Lane. There was two. There was multiple times where they left him like singled up and that was the thing we talked about we talked about it before the game like in the last couple days like if you leave Jefferson or Thielen in single coverage they are going to eat you alive because they are literally unguardable like that's why Cousins is so consistent and why he's had had the year that he's had is because he's got two receivers that can literally win against any quarterback in the league they run every route they don't have weaknesses so you know the Steelers like in the red zone they you know Minnesota hits them with those crossing routes. You've got man-to-man coverage with one single high safety. Minka has to choose which one to go with. Like, it's just you're putting your defense in a bad spot. Like, when you can't stop the run and then you're also single covering, like, a top five receiver in the league, it's a game plan thing. you got to take something away and make them choose how they're going to beat you. You can't just let it be a full free-for-all. My issue with the Steelers' defense when it comes to the pass is that Mike Tomlin is so pass-oriented in his mindset when it comes to sculpting a defensive plan. And, like, I'm not going to get into the whole him or Butler making this play, blah, blah, blah. I don't know who it is. I don't care who it is. Pointless. Mike Tomlin, from what I know, is very defensive-minded or very pass-oriented when it comes to his defensive mindset, which is okay. But it's not okay when you're using Derek Tushka – even before TJ Watt left to the amount that he actually is because at the game plan for the Steelers is our secondary isn't good enough to cover these guys. So we just have to get to the quarterback and it works with guys like Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson's going to drop back in the pocket and he's going to look to get out of the pocket. Kirk Cousins is looking, he's just dropping in the pack pocket. That's his natural habitat. You don't have anybody to, to disrupt that. Your guys in the secondary are going to get beat every single time. And that's what we've seen all these times. Guys getting beat over the top, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, no matter who it is. It's the fact that these quarterbacks are comfortable in the pocket and the Steelers defense isn't designed to stop that. It's either get to the quarterback or lose that down. And you can't do that. I mean, right, we could go into Tennessee. It could be Taco Charlton and Derek Tushka. Brian yeah. Tannehill could have a field day, an absolute field day. Yeah, De- Deb's a problem. Tomlin talked about that in the postgame too. Deb's a problem, especially up front. And like you said, you saw that. I mean, 
You know, I, I did notice Taco flashed at least one time. I know he drew that holding penalty. I think he might have had another hit on Kirk Cousins, but I mean, they're just not getting none. They're just getting That's not getting enough off enough blocks. I mean, it's cliche, and you can spin it how you want with the injuries and everything else. But you know, the 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 Vikings do a lot of play action, and they love to take shots off play action. It was all over the tape, and they took several shots off play action. You know, really early in the game, the very first one to Jefferson was a play that we I literally talked about it's the same exact play um from the week <laughs> from like the week before so it's yeah, just yeah. like really funny like you know the Vikings they do what they do on offense man it's like they knew they should have known what was coming and the fact that they decided to single up a top top five receiver in the league is just mind-boggling to me yeah this is a good question for you they've shut down Waller Adams Diggs as we've seen in the past they couldn't do it for Jefferson what why um, I, I want to look at that. It's it's hard to answer those questions like without the all 22 before that comes out. But I mean, um, you know, the, the, the reason that the Steelers were able to do that stuff early in the season is because I felt like they were like they were using Minka a little bit differently. And also, like, you know, they were playing better up front. So you don't mm-hmm. have to dedicate as many guys um, to the box. I, I, I'm interested to see like what the game plan looked on the back end. Cause like, like we mentioned, Jefferson could have had several more touchdowns. There was one play that cousins got hit a little early, had to let it go early, but otherwise could have been a touchdown. There was another bad throw for cousin from cousins that looked like it could have been a touchdown. Um, I mean, Jefferson's a great player. They move him around. Yeah. yeah obviously. Slide, but so was Stefan Diggs, Darren Waller. Yeah. I mean, all I mean like, that's the thing. You're, you're never going to be able to completely like blanket those guys. You just want to try to neutralize them and at least take away the big plays. And like, you know, they, they allowed a couple explosive plays kind of like they've allowed all year. You mentioned the ones to Jamar Chase, uh, T Higgins a couple weeks ago, the Steelers defense and their cornerbacks in general have had a lot of issues keeping the ball in front of them. And when you're a defense that doesn't play a lot of man to man, you're not going to create turnovers like that because you don't get up in guys face and press coverage you're not getting takeaways, can't allow the big plays down the field. And they just, they've done that repeatedly over and over and over this season. That's why James Pierre is benched right now. Yeah, which is a good way to lead into this because Akello Witherspoon had a uh, pretty great game, honestly. Like it, for a guy who is coming in to replace the replacement, second game last week, he stepped up, stepped up, made a big play late in the game. He looked pretty good. He had a lot of swagger. This week comes away with two picks. One of them, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't understand how you could keep up with a guy like Justin Jefferson and NFL wide receivers. But as soon as the ball's in your hand, you run like an NFL fullback. I don't. That that was really weird. What? And the thing is, man, like we've talked. I am so glad because I, I I kept I kept telling people that there is yeah. a good version of a killer Witherspoon. We talked about it so much on here. So many see, times. to see him play really well last night was awesome. That's the thing, yeah. man. Like, look, corner, corner to me is the defensive side of like quarterback in terms of like it's it's so mental man like you have to be like confident had that swagger about you you saw that with Witherspoon like once he made like one or two plays last week and they threw at him and that ball fells incomplete he started getting really upbeat you know clapping Mm -hmm. you could see like he was he was really uh focused and like you saw that same kind of swagger last night you know they attacked him a couple different times and they didn't really have much success um it was awesome. I mean, that, that play that he made on Jefferson to undercut that slant route was awesome. I mean, we haven't awesome. seen a, we haven't seen a corner or a Steelers defender make a play like that all season. That's a, no. 
that's the thing about Witherspoon. He's that like, he's height, weight, speed. I mean, he got a lot of length. Uh, he can really run. You know, he's an athletic, athletic dude um, who tested all the starts when he was coming out of Colorado. So it's just a matter of consistency, man. It's not a talent thing. You know, Witherspoon 100% has enough talent to be a starting NFL cornerback on a good defense. It's just a matter of like, can he stay out of his own head and play consistently enough? Yeah. I agree. I think that last night was a good, but it, it it does leave me some worry because like you just said, like we've talked about like 10 times on the show, he's inconsistent. That's his only problem is we don't know what a Keller Witherspoon we're going to get. The problem with that is at the same time, we've only seen one of Keller Witherspoon as a starter and he's pretty freaking good. They're really he's good. Not, yeah. Like he's not bad. So Joe Hayden, I don't know what to expect from Joe Hayden moving forward at 32 years old. It's rough to say, come back from a foot injury. That's already kept you sidelined for four weeks. Is just going to magically go away. I don't know if that happens, but Akella Witherspoon's a good option to have. I don't, I don't know what happened on that interception. That I don't like. That should have been a touchdown. I don't. Yeah. You run with cement almost, in your shoes. If you go look at that one, uh, the flag that Minka got on that ridiculous. I mean, I don't know what you oh. want. I'm not going to go full Mike Mitchell and complain about you know, flag football, but I don't know what you want me to do there because literally he leads with the shoulder, hits the dude's shoulder on a hospital ball from Kirk cousins and yeah. he gets a flag for it. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. NFL got to do better. Got to be better. But like if did you the same exact thing that, on that, the last three and out, I believe he did the same exact thing to, I believe it was Justin Jefferson. Same exact ball. thing. Yeah. No, no flag. What's, it was the same exact play. But that's the thing. Like, you're asking – and it's just – I'm not going to get on my soapbox about it. But you're asking defenders to make last-second adjustments to poorly thrown footballs that are high and leaving the receivers out to dry. In the early 2000s, man, that, that hit – or that last ball to Jefferson that Minka luckily held up on so he didn't get a penalty. Oh, he was That put somebody on our. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. If know, that's Ryan we, Clark – Yes, Lee Flowers, oh. John Lynch, Leroy Butler oh, would have yeah. put that dude in a hospital bag. Like, dude, I mean, yeah. it would have been – I mean, it's just ridiculous that quarterbacks are able to get away with that stuff. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, that's the NFL, though. We could go on about the refs every single game. I feel like we do a little bit. But that's – I don't think you could fix it. I, I said that – I might have said that on Tuesday with Donnie. I don't know. I don't think you could fix the NFL ref situation. I think that they're just dramatically getting worse because I don't – I have actually no idea why, but yeah, hits like that. I mean, dude, imagine Brian Dawkins coming at you. John Lynch was a perfect example. You take a hit from that, like you don't see it coming. You're not going to get up. Justin Jefferson's gone for the whole game. And that's what I'm saying. Like these quarterbacks think that they can like, you know, just throw lollipops over the middle. Cause like, can't nobody like, can't, they just can't, can't hit guys anymore. And that, that's yeah. just frustrating. Cause you see a perfectly legal hit. Minka's not out there head hunting. You know, it, it's, you know, like Mike Mitchell said, man, it's like, I got to ask for your permission to hit you. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely. It is. It, it's it's an offensive league. We know that it's kind of rough. We'll flip it back over to the offense here for a, a couple of minutes. Chase Claypool has obviously been a very hot topic for that uh, first down point <laughs> on a uh, fourth and two, I believe, catch with 36 seconds left. Took about 10 seconds off the play. I, I will say this, and I want to show everybody this because I didn't see it at first, but apparently, like, uh, the Eric Dickerson – or excuse me, not Eric Dickerson. Eric Kendricks actually does hit the ball he away did. from Chase Clue when he when he stood up. And I feel like people should 
should kind of see that because I feel like a lot of people didn't see that. You know what I mean? Like, right, he gets up. Look, first off, that's four or five seconds right there. Say whatever you want. Genius play by Kendricks. Like, that's just what you're going to do. Yeah. What are your – I don't have a question for. What are your thoughts? Just don't, <laughs> don't, put, your, just don't put yourself in that position, really. That that's oh yeah you know you there's nothing like any receiver you know I, I used to watch uh, I'll try to tweet something out but I used to watch um, Larry Fitzgerald in those mm-hmm. moments and those two minute drills I used to watch him catch the ball get tackled and literally go place the ball on the right hash where yeah. it's supposed to be placed so the ref can literally instantly start the clock celebrating the first down point not necessary really stupid nope. okay. Clever play by Kendricks. Yeah. The one that's not really that all that uncommon, but it was clever. I'll give him that. Um, but you know, Chase's thing, and you know, he had the penalty early in the first half, um, for Taunton too, and then immediately, you know, misses the block, and then he gets benched, and then he comes back, makes a spectacular catch down the right sideline to even really get them into that spot to score on the final drive. It's just – it's the same thing we say all season long. Like, he's got some flaws. He's maddingly inconsistent, staying on his feet, tracking the football. He makes some spectacular plays. Super talented, but the dude has a long way to go in terms of, like, growing up and maturity. Um, it's every week – like, if you actually go back and watch the Bengals game from a couple weeks ago, the Bengals DBs, they hit him after every play. Like every route, even when he wasn't getting the ball, they took a couple cheap shots at him away from the football that didn't get called. But guys guys know that they can get under his skin because he's a hothead. And that, yeah. that's exactly what Minnesota did last night early in the game. You know, they, they start, you know, I think Chase catches that ball. It's like a six-yard gain. He goes out of bounds, gets up. I think it's Boyd, but I don't know. It, it could have been Breland. I don't know. But they get up and they shoulder check him right on the sideline. And then he does the whole thing. He does the whole getting in his face, hits his face mask, and he gets called for the penalty. Guys mm-hmm. just know that they can get under his skin and get him out of his element. And Chase is an emotional dude. You just got to be able to keep that in check and use that correctly. Cause I mean, he's talented. It's just the inconsistency stuff. You just can't have, can't have it in those moments. You can't. And I think the biggest thing I've seen a lot of people defend Chase Claypool in this situation over the last 12 hours or so. And they always say the same thing, like, oh, he's 23. It's only his second year in the NFL. The second year in the NFL, you are you are a veteran. You've been here. You've been around grown men. Yeah, it's it's done. Like you have about six games into your NFL career before being a rookie isn't an excuse anymore. And that's where Chase Claypool is at 23 years old. It doesn't matter what it is. If this was a college game and he just blew a college game doing something dumb like that, people would still be complaining about it in the same fashion. So there's not really an excuse there. You're dead on. And there's not really a ton to say outside of there's no point for that. There's no you're down eight points for one. You don't even need like a touchdown to score. You need a touchdown and two point conversion. This game's far, far from guaranteed that this is going into overtime. You get a first down where your team's trying to build momentum, not trying to get cocky. So don't do that. Like you said, he already got benched earlier in the game because he lets his emotions get to him. I'm sure that Mike Tomlin didn't go over there to him and say, okay, you're on the bench and didn't give him a reason. I'm sure that there was a talk. I'm sure that there was a moment where Mike Tomlin was like, dude, this is what you're doing wrong. You got to keep yourself in check because you're going to cost us a game. And he goes back in and does that. I just – 
I don't know if that ever changes. You know what I mean? I don't know if if that's just who Chase Claypool is. Maybe that comes with being 6'4", 230, and you can run a 4-3. You know, at some point, you got to just think you're already better than everybody. Well, that, that's the thing. These athletes that get to the NFL level, they've dominated their entire lives at every yeah. single level that they've played football. So, I mean, it, it you know, you get a little bit of a big head. And see, I don't – I don't want to make it seem like Chase is a bad dude or that we're trying to like attack him or anything like that. No, no. It's, it's just, it's just an accountability thing, man. Like you're trying to win a football game. And that, that's when you got a 39 year old quarterback, who's trying to make one last playoff push to get his third Super Bowl, And as unlikely and as improbable as that is. And, you know, you're doing stupid stuff like celebrating after a first down and you got 25 seconds left to score to win the game, like to have a chance to win the game. It just, it's, it's pointing the spotlight at you instead of putting the team first. And you just can't do that. And Chase just seems like he has more of an interest at times in himself instead of what the team's trying to accomplish. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. it's, he's the most polarizing player probably on this Steelers team. You know, there's been a lot of guys who have underperformed and had bad seasons. Just that's just what comes with being six, six and one this far in the year. But He's definitely been the most mattingly inconsistent and polarizing because he's made some great plays, but he's also just made some stuff plays that you just can't can't have can't win with. No, no, and it'd be one thing if his play was inconsistent, but it's just the mental things. Every you could that's what, you could get rid of every you could get but you what I'm saying is you can get rid of the penalties and kind of deal with the inconsistencies. You could just I mean you don't want them, but you could fix those. You can't fix. You can't fix a dude who talks smack after every play or doesn't take a cheap shot well. This is the NFL. Guys are so smart at how to how to annoy somebody. You know, this game is probably one of the smartest sports in the whole world. If not the smartest sport in the whole world. These guys everything that they do has a purpose. If you're Chase Claypool, you have to I mean, it goes both ways. Heinz Ward used to smile all the time and people are like, "Oh, he's just a happy dude. That's just who he was." Like now, Heinz Ward knew that, like, there was something messing with you. Calculated. Bit. Exactly. Everything was a calculated move. Chase Claypool doesn't have that. I hope that he does get that. Because, like you said, it, I'm not trying to sit here and attack Chase Claypool. Did he cost them the game? No. Did he cost them that moment? Yeah, maybe. But I'm not going to put time, You know, that's yeah, the cost thing. Them time. We, we, we look at, like, little – you know, the, the Steelers didn't even – I won't even say they lost that game on that final drive. They didn't lose – No, no. They, they lost the game going down 23-0 at halftime. Yeah, they didn't They didn't lose that game by, you know, Claypool doing that. They didn't lose that game by Pat having that ball fall through his hands in the end zone. They didn't lose that game by any one particular thing. But, like, the two moments – really, there was multiple moments in the on that final drive that really frustrated me. One, Ray Ray McLeod letting that punt roll – seven yards and taking an additional four seconds off the clock. Yeah. Playpool or the black in the back on a guy that was nowhere near the play on the screen yep. pass took seconds off the clock and a penalty. I mean, you look at the Claypool celebration that costed them several, several seconds. Those three things, man, that those, I mean, how many plays could you get out of that on the end zone? Like, I mean, that's, that's three, four plays at least that you got, um, to where, you know what, Harrison Smith makes a great play, knocks the ball out of Friar Moose hands. Hey, it's first down, second down. We got another two shots at this thing. You know, it's little mm-hmm. plays like that. It's attention to detail, and they've got a lot of young players, and they're forcing them to grow up really quickly. Um, it's just really frustrating, man, like the lack of attention to detail in those big moments. Um, 
it's just it's it's crushing. That's what when you have I mean, the Steelers are I'm pretty sure they are the youngest offense in the NFL if you remove Ben Roethlisberger. And that's what you're going to that's the only way you can win games. You can't win games off pure talent when these guys are second, third year guys. You have to you it has to be attention to detail. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers run the two minute drill every single day. They should know how to do this. And it's not like, oh, they they have two minutes like Mike Tomlin comes in and they'll look at Ben and they'll be like, you got a minute 15. Go get it done. They every single day of practice, and to not understand the the sense of urgency that you need to have in that situation. I mean, you could go back. I get that the Vikings did a lot of good things, like like they laid on Ray Ray for a quick second there. But if I'm Ray Ray, I'm fighting that, and he just like casually got up. You know what I mean? Like drop the ball, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like yeah. you got you these things need to happen. It, it was the whole drive was very bad. I think it was just highlighted by Chase. And just. And just the ur- just the urgency in general, man. Like you're you're a team that's like literally not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but you're freaking close, even in a weak AFC this year. But you know, just not guys not really having the urgency, starting off the game slow, and then in those big moments, you know, just not really laser focused. Um, yeah. Just for a profession, like a bunch of professionals, that's that's really disheartening to see. You can live with the mistakes, you know. Guys aren't going to be perfect. The opponents get you know, paid to play the game too. You know, that's that's the that's kind of how the game ended last night. You know, been through you know one of the best throws in the last couple of seasons, the fire move, uh, to put him in position to win the game. Great throw. Just Harrison Smith makes a great play to knock it out of his hands at the, in the end zone. Um, but man, it's 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 tough. It's tough to swallow. Would have been but, a legendary uh, comeback. It would have been phenomenal, actually. There was a. Uh... There was a moment there where I was staring at the uh, SI sports book and I was almost about to lose a lot of money <laughs> with how much faith I had in the Steelers. Um, before we head out here, I, I have a couple, I just have like three quick hit questions because I feel like they've been talked about a lot on social media today. And I just, I feel like we should address them real quick. First chase Claypool. I put this, this poll on Twitter and it is pretty much split 50, 50 down the middle. Chase Claypool, if nothing changes, you have to just all metaphorical, nothing changes. Chase Claypool is the guy that he is. Does he last his contract in Pittsburgh, his rookie deal? I'll say yes, just because I think his talent will win out. Talent and draft, the the two things that, like, I feel like let guys stick in the league is, like, talent and flashes, which – we know he has, and then draft status. He's a top fifty pick. So, you know, you see, you see first round busts, and you know, day two picks that don't live up to the hype. You see them get multiple, multiple chances with their own organization, and they'll go to other organizations and get chances there. I'll say yes, but man, they he he's got to grow up, man. I mean, they're they're gonna be um, depending on him. That there's a big difference in like the maturity level between like him and a guy like Deontay Johnson, you know. Um, and that that's concerning because Deontay's not not more than you know a year or two older than he is. So Deontay is the same age as Chase Claypool. Actually, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, I'll say, I'll say yes just because I I think eventually it'll click for him um, to where he's at least able to keep his composure um, on on game day, and that's all I care about, man. Like, dude, like I know a lot of Steelers fans care about that TikTok stuff and the social media. I could give a damn about any of that, excuse my language, but like talking about like on the football field, man, stop taking penalties. He's, he's taking like eight or I think he's taken eight 
eight penalties this year for a receiver, and I'm pretty sure that that's he leads like the NFL. NFL. Whatever the yeah, number is, I know he leads the like, NFL. Just, you gotta, you just gotta know better, man. Yep. Better. Kendrick Green up. is he the starting center for the Pittsburgh Steelers next season? Oh man, uh, you got to see some improvement <laughs> over the last four weeks. You know, I, I don't want to give up on Green, and I've been, I've been saying that you got to ride this wave and see if he can figure it out because. You know, you spend a third-round pick on him. You don't really have much behind him. But you've got to see something over the past four weeks – in the next four weeks. I mean, the Steelers aren't going to make the playoffs, but you got to see some type of improvement, whether it's, you know, improvement in communication um, along the offensive line, picking up stunts, just picking up basic pass protections, whether it's, you know, getting more push and holding his own in the run game, whether it's simply just snapping the freaking football correctly in the shotgun. Um, you've got to see something or else he's probably not necessarily sharpied into a position next season um, heading into like training camp. Same question for Dan Moore. Dan Moore, starting left tackle for the Steelers next season. I think that Moore has a good, has a shot to start at tackle next year. I don't know that it'll be at left tackle. More struggles with speed and pass protection to me are extremely concerning um, mm-hmm. for a left tackle. It really just left, right doesn't matter a ton. I mean, a lot of your elite edge rushers are rushing on the right side now, so it just doesn't matter a ton for me. I just worry a little bit about, like, if he's ever going to be able to hold up well enough in pass protection. Uh, but I have seen some flashes um, – of his particularly in the run game. Like I thought he was really, really good down the stretch against the Ravens last week. So I'll say that he has a, um, a shot to start next year. I would lean more towards the right tackle because I'm praying that the Steelers are going to make a significant investment in this offensive line. You can put Russell yeah. Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana. It does not matter. Um, and if you don't fix this offensive line, you're wasting Najee Harris's, um, career or first contract with the Steelers because um, he's not going to be able to run the football unless this improves. And then whoever's behind center, it doesn't matter, man. You got to be able to protect them long enough to throw the ball down the field. Um, so, you know, I think the Steelers need like at least two, maybe three new starters along the offensive line next year. I'm not ready to pencil anybody in, like I said, um, for sure, other than Kevin Dotson, just because I still am a believer in his talent. I think Green and Moore could very well be starters next year. I just don't know if it's at the positions they're currently slated at. All righty, all righty. And last one here for you. The Steelers make a bigger investment. It could be either free agency or draft or whatever in the defensive line or inside linebacker over the offseason. Um. Well, I mean, their their big investment could just be getting Stephon Tuitt back. I mean, that you know, he's making a lot of money. He hasn't played this year, still recovering from his injury. Um, is Chris? But like, is Chris Wormley an issue? Chris Wormley has good games. He's not a good run stuffer, but he has yeah. decent games. He's okay. He's turned a lot of his pressures into sacks, which is kind of I think disjointed a little bit of the perception around him but Wormley's just a depth guy he's not a guy that you went out there playing you know 80 percent of your snaps or anything like that but um I don't know man I mean I I would be pretty surprised if Pittsburgh was you know content with the way that their run defense looked um this season I mean I 
they talked about it last year, um, all offseason about addressing the run game. Of course, we really didn't see much improvement. We've not seen much improvement so far with that. But they did draft Najee Harris um, in the first round. Maybe we see a defensive lineman or a pass rusher or a run stopper um, early on um, in the NFL draft. I'm just – I guess another thing that I'm willing to say, I see the Steelers more willing to spend, just based on previous history with Tomlin and Colbert, I see them more willing to spend um, big, like in the first round or in free agency on defense than I do offense. It's just how they build their teams, which is problematic, and that's why we're in this position really today is because – like we've talked about the model for the Steelers to make the playoffs this season was decent offense, which they haven't got decent. They're below average, Mm -hmm. but, and then really good, really good to great defense. And they've been a terrible defense. So, um, you know, I I think they're going to address that. I'm interested to see what they do with Bush and Schobert though, to your question, because Bush, I don't, that's kind of where I was going with that. I don't don't know if it comes back. I don't think that you can take, Bush's fifth-year option. I know he's recovering from the ACL. I don't think that you can go with that. Um, you just got to see what happens next year. I'm okay with penciling him as, as a starter um, just because I don't think you want to make another investment after all the stuff. You know, they've traded for Schobert, took him at 10 overall, drafted Buddy Johnson in the fourth round. Um, but I wouldn't give him his fifth-year option. And then Schobert, man, he's like the 12th or 13th highest-paid linebacker for next season. So, like, that's hard, too. Like, Schobert's Bush has probably took more heat on social media just because some of the dumb stuff he did in the offseason. But Schobert's been just as bad, man, like if not worse. So, um, you know, it's it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like I said, I mean, the Steelers could turn over four starting positions from this year to next year on both sides of the ball, four to five, maybe even six. And it wouldn't say maybe six. It wouldn't even surprise me. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I agree. I think there's a lot of moves coming, like you said. It was a rough Thursday night, but, you know, we're going to get through it. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at All Steelers Talk and check us out on Twitter at Nostrack at Steelers underscore DB, and we will see you next week.